Good morning, New Life Fellowship, and whoever else happens to be watching this live feed. This is Pastor Nathan, and I am coming to you live from New Life Fellowship's facility in the foyer where it's nice and sunny. I hope that you are all doing well and worshiping God today with your families, praying, seeking the Lord. I wanted to come on here and just uh, share with you a little bit from the Word, some worship, and some other fun things. So I have a little bit of a uh, plan for you. And hopefully you will uh, enjoy um, my little spin on Facebook Live. But let's uh, open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, wherever two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, you are there with them. And we, we believe that. We also believe in what you have, your dream for the church. That we would be a priesthood of believers, not people that are unable to serve you or come, come to you. Uh, without a special person, certainly not without a pastor, um, but we are people that can come to you on our own through Christ as your priests, each and every one of us. So I pray your blessing on every living room that's worshiping you this morning in our city, in our country. I know many people are worshiping you in, in their living rooms. I pray your blessing on the New Life family as they gather together and build relationship with one another in, 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 these, in, the, in the living room, in the small group, worshiping you and loving you. Uh, we pray that you would bless our time together today and even as strange as a, a medium as Facebook Live can be, God, we, we, we appreciate the connection that you've made available to us uh, through this technology. We lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. own things. And uh, here we are together this morning at an interesting time in history, um, trying to trust God, love others well, and wash our hands. That's my tagline. I'm very proud of it. You've probably heard it many times. Uh, so I, I wanted to share a little bit with you today about uh, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, probably to many of yours as well, and that is the topic of God's Word. The scriptures are just a very interesting topic of study in themselves. And I have done a lot of research and reading about how the Bible was put together, the process that, that, that went through. I've, I've read all of the extra-biblical books that, that uh, were not put into the Bible. And I've come to a confidence that what we have in God's Word uh, from Genesis through Revelation in our Bibles in the Old and New Testament is, in fact, what God intends to be in there. And uh, 
It's a very interesting study. We don't have time for that today fully, but Christian history is a fascinating topic to see how, how we got this book called the Bible. Well, where is it? Do I have the Bible? How we got this book, the Bible, uh, together. Um, some of the books that did not make it into the Bible, I'll just say, they're, they're laughable. They're kind of funny. And you can tell um, that they're not exactly inspired words of God, but instead, instead a product of their times. But the Bible is a fascinating book to me. I talked about it last week in, in church. We talked about our core value at New Life, that knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. You know, lots of people know the word of God. What separates uh, the, the growing and mature from the immature is people that not only know the word, but put it into practice. And the Bible encourages us to, to trust God as a father and as a shepherd, to, to hear his word, to put it into practice, to read the Bible, to see some, some message from God, and then to turn around and not do anything with it. It says in James, it's tantamount to looking into a mirror, then walking away and forgetting what you look like. That's what it's like when we read the word and do not obey what it says or what God tells us. So we take this value very seriously at New Life. Uh, our fourth core value, knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Now I want to just recap last week's sermon. We see in 2 Timothy three fourteen to 16 our theology of the word. And Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Timothy had a beloved uh, family member who had schooled him in Scriptures from the time he was a very small child. So Timothy's, Timothy was, was really uh, privileged to have that upbringing. Uh, so, so Paul says, remember those scriptures that you treasured as a child that you were taught. They are powerful to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and then he says this phrase, which, which really sums it all up. All scripture is God-breathed, and he's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Interesting. This, this, this word, uh, all scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's a word that's sometimes trans, translated as inspire, but it literally means God in-breathed the scriptures, which is an amazing thought to me that we have at our fingertips sometimes several copies of this book. It's unlike any other book in that uh, the scriptures in here were in-breathed by the creator himself and thus are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a pretty amazing thing to have at our fingertips. It's a privilege to have that. And last week I talked exclusively about the word of God we find in the Bible. We talked about how though the Bible is complete in the Old and New Testaments, and we are not adding to it or taking away from it, that it is still a living word of God to us because the writers of scriptures believed and taught that it was in-breathed by the Creator, and therefore it's dynamic to bring revelation to people today. So we have this book, the Bible, the library of books in the Old and New Testament, uh, with over 40 human authors, written over a period of 1,500 years or so, and it has remarkable consistency. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, and for all the ways that one might try to show inconsistencies in the Bible, or even find inconsistencies in the Bible uh, that appear to be there, 
Um, for all of those ways we might find those inconsistencies, it's remarkable just how much consistency is found within it when you flip it around. And for this reason, it's an amazing, unique, inspiring book. Um, the scriptures describe the writing process in this way in 1 Peter 1, 20-21, and it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. The prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's incredible to me. If you read the Bible, especially in the original languages, you see that it's full of personality. It's full of the unique perspectives of the men and probably women who composed its words. Um, and it's written in the context of their times in a way that people at that time would understand. It's, it's each, each writer has their own unique style, own, own unique level of education and experience in life that they bring to bear on writing the Word of God. And even though it has all this variety, over 40 authors over a long period of time, 1 Peter 1.20 says that all of that did not have its origin in human will, but these people, though human, spoke for God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Remarkable, remarkable. Every time you open your Bible, you're within range of God's inbreathed word and his word for you. And there's no other book quite like it. It's the gold standard. And I think it's a miracle that we, that we have it, and, uh, and especially that we have a copy or two lying around our house, most of us. So, you know, if I can encourage you with anything this week, the, in the coming month, uh, this morning, you know, crack open the Bible and see how God uses it to speak uh, to you and in-breathe his life into you. Um, it's an amazing thing. So that's what we believe. Jesus values God's word. Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Um, this week, I'd like to talk about, uh, for a few minutes, about other places where we can hear from God in our lives. And for some, this topic feels like terrifying. Like if we admit that God speaks outside of his inbreathed word in the scriptures, then we're opening the door to all kinds of abuses. And of course, it could be reason that that is possible. And indeed, that has happened in, in history. But um, I do not think we need to I don't think we need to live in fear of hearing God outside of the scriptures because the Bible teaches us to seek God for wisdom and the Bible also encourages us uh, to, to um, and models for us ways to hear from God when we need to hear from him because not everything is completely clear in the scriptures. You know, for people that are seeking God's will in their lives and, and they get two different opportunities, one, one job here, one job there, uh, one potential spouse here, one potential spouse there. Um, there. There are things in the Bible that are not covered specifically, and we need to hear from God to hear his word for us and to give us wisdom and guidance. And certainly God uses his word almost all the time when he's guiding us in a special way uh, to, encourage us, to encourage us to illuminate a path, but God uh, gives us wisdom um, outside of the, the specific words of the Bible all the time. And I think that if you, if you uh, went, went to all Christians and talked to them and said, you know, do you believe that God speaks outside of the Bible? Some people might say, no, 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 absolutely not. He only speaks in the pages of the Bible. You cannot ever receive reliable guidance anywhere about, but within the Bible. But then you ask them about their spiritual life, and they'll say something like, you know, I really felt led to call this person. And then when I called them, uh, it, it turned out that God was wanting to speak to them. And I had a timely word for them from the scripture. And they will say, I was led 
by the Holy Spirit outside of the words of Scripture, but always in line with the words of Scripture. Uh, there, there's this passage in James 1.5 where it encourages us when we're going through trials, if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to us. That's an awesome promise. That if we lack wisdom, especially about a trial we're going through, we don't know why is this befalling us, God. We can ask him, and he will give generously to all, uh, and it will be given to them. Uh, that, that's an amazing promise from Scripture that we can seek him for wisdom and find it. Practical wisdom. I think about this time in Acts 15. You know, faith had been uh, tied to your race, you know, in many ways. In, in, in the Old Testament times, Jewish people were God's people. And then uh, God's desire was to bring all people of the world into his family through the Jewish people. But, but uh, when that actually started to happen in the book of Acts, because things had been going, felt so exclusive for so long to, to the Jewish converts, they didn't know what the heck to do with the non-Jewish uh, converts to Christianity. They're like, what do we tell them to do? Do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow these dietary laws that we've had to follow from, from the Old Testament? They just were totally miffed by this, and they were concerned uh, that they didn't want to overburden these new converts to Christianity who just came to faith through Christ but had no history with God up until that point. So in Acts 15, the, everyone gets together and prays earnestly. God, give us, we need wisdom. We don't see uh, what we're supposed to do with these Gentile converts. What are they supposed to obey? Do we just dump the whole law on these, on these people? They, were, they weren't sure. And so uh, what happened, which is what often happens when God speaks to people and they, they seek wisdom, is uh, he gave them a scripture from Amos 9, 11, and 12. And uh, and. And uh, that scripture was illuminated by the Holy Spirit, applied to their current situation, and they got wisdom about what to do next. And so this is what the council came up with. They said, it is our judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles, non-Jewish people who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them. Then they had a few commands that they thought the Holy Spirit was really impressing them to give to these Gentile converts. But, but they needed help. They needed help and wisdom from God in a moment, in a dynamic situation. They saw after God. He gave them a scripture, and then he illuminated it, and they came up with a path for their life. I think that's so often how extra-biblical uh, leading of the Holy Spirit happens in our lives. Uh, often, oftentimes, it actually ends up being starting with the, the seed of the word of God that we have in our hearts. As we're praying, God, God illuminates the scripture, and then he gives us guidance through that scripture. Uh, but so thankful for the way God uses his, his inbreathed scriptures to then breathe life on them and become for us a living word in these moments when we need guidance and direction. And uh, it's such an awesome thing. Theologians, as if you care, I don't know if you care or not. I, I, there's, there's nine of you. How many of you care? Raise your hand. Um, theologians talk about two categories of revelation from God. Um, the first category is general revelation. And this, this idea is derived from many places in Scripture. In Romans 1.20 it says, What may be made known about God is plain to people because God has made it plain to them. For since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This is general revelation. The idea is that in creation there's enough data for us to learn some things about God, even without any specific direction in that, in that vein. So when you are, it's no mystery that when you are on a hike and you, and you summit a mountain and you do, look at an overlook, 
that you are that you're it's no it's no mystery as to why your heart almost fills with worship because you see something of God in his creation when we saw the Grand Canyon last February when I was visiting my sister and brother in Arizona you know it was breathtaking uh, I, I looked at this thing I tried to take pictures of it it was so frustrating because there was no picture that you could take that would encompass the glory of this amazing wonder of God's creation and uh it, it produced worship in me. I think, I think that seeing creation produces worship in, in non-believers. I mean, in, in some deep level, people that don't even believe in God or Jesus are in awe of his creation. There's something about God that's revealed in creation. It's general revelation for everybody that we can all learn something about God. God is speaking through everything that he's made. His qualities are evident in the world in which we live. And everyone, according to the Bible, has some revelation of who God is, even if they wouldn't classify that information that the way that uh, God would. So we can learn from general revelation as believers truth about God in, in scientific studies, in beautiful works of art and music, you know, in mathematics, in, all, in, in uh, working with animals, in, in, in medicine. And, and like we are learning about God and his creation as they're developing uh, ways to deal with the coronavirus. These scientists are seeking wisdom in their professions and finding truth that will hopefully be helpful in mitigating this disease. You know, there is general revelation that God's graciously given to all people. And we can all see something of God in that revelation. I love uh, one of the few times I think Job's friends got it right in Job 33, 14. Uh, his friend said to Job, for God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. You know, that's general revelation. God is always speaking and revealing truth about himself in the created world, in art, in academia, if we have eyes to see it. If we have a big enough mind, a big enough heart to find God in the big picture of the world, we will see more of God and learn more about God. So that's the first type of revelation, this nonspecific general revelation. The second type is, as you might guess, uh, special revelation. And special revelation is defined as the belief that knowledge of God and of spiritual things can be discovered through supernatural means, such as in miracles, such as in the scriptures that God has inbreathed. Um, the disclosure of God's truth uh, can come through other means than man's reason and observation. In special revelation, we get extremely specific knowledge of, from God that we need in order to come to salvation through Christ. To receive life direction when things become unclear and murky in our lives. Things like that. We receive special revelation from God through, as, we, as we've said, the scriptures. This is a source of special revelation. That, that, but if you listen to people's testimony, that's special revelation. God intervenes in uh, someone's life and they come to him. He does a miracle in their life. Uh, so personal experience of the Holy Spirit is a special way that God reveals himself to us. And that was certainly my testimony. You know, when I came to Christ, I, I was invited to a church service with, with, with some friends. And I was not expecting to have this experience with the Holy Spirit or to come to know God uh, in, in a different way. But as the pastor preached and, and, and was very inviting, I heard something I'd never heard before. And, he, and the pastor spoke with an authority that spoke right into my heart. And I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And in front of my friends, without even an invitation to go forward, I walked forward and I gave my life to Christ. Um, 
it was an experience. It was emotional. It wasn't expected. It wasn't contrived. It wasn't even something that the pastor invoked by inviting people forward. It was just something that happened and it forever changed me. That's a personal experience. What about a miracle? When God steps in and heals or delivers a person or changes the circumstance. You know, miracles do happen. We've had, we've had some miracles happen in our church, miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance. Um, I don't feel like I have the right to share those things uh, without asking people for their permission. But if you ask around, you'll hear testimonies of, of special revelation of miracles God has done and spoken through. Excuse me. And, uh, and, and finally, you know, we have prophecy. And this is not predictive prophecy of the future, like, you know, this is what's going to happen in those days, and then the end, you know, the end will come. That's a different type of prophecy. This is prophecy as the Bible teaches about it in, in places like um, Romans 12, a different list of spiritual gifts. It's when we receive a dynamic word from God, which is needed in order to give us wisdom to build us up in our identity in Christ or minister to someone else in prayer. So that's something like what the apostles received in Acts 15 or when Jesus and others in the church healed people in the streets when they were in need. The Holy Spirit would speak to Jesus or the disciples or the early church or people in our day and say, you know, go to this person, share this word, and then they're healed. And we, we see that happen in Acts. We see that happen today. Uh, so this is a timely, dynamic word from God that is shared and that, uh, for, for a person's building up or for the building up of another person in ministry. And uh, oftentimes, the people that have this uncanny prophetic ability to really speak truth and to, to minister effectively or even to follow God effectively are people that are steeped in the written word of God. Because, just like in Acts 15, when they sought God for wisdom about an, a situation they didn't understand, he gave them a scripture from Amos, and then he told them how to apply it. And that's how it worked. But certainly, I mean, God, God can guide any way he wants to. But we weigh everything by the word of God as a, um, as a standard. You know, if, if someone came up to me to pray for me and, uh, and they, they laid hands on me and said, you know, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you you need to leave your wife, abandon your family, and become a fisherman in Alaska. That's probably not the word of God because uh, that's not something God would want me to do, to abandon my family and my wife. Uh, we, we weigh everything by what the Bible says. So that's it. General revelation, special revelation, the scriptures, personal experience, testimony, miracles, and prophetic words. So I, I thank God for general revelation, you know, seeing God um, through his creation, seeing God through the observations of, of very smart people uh, who, may, who may not have a relationship with Christ like I do, and, and hearing from God through those people who are studying I recently read a book uh, written by a non-Christian that absolutely changed me and God used in my life uh, and led to a fresh uh, filling of the Holy Spirit for me a few weeks ago. So I general revelation, very thankful for it. But I am ever so thankful as I grow in my faith for special revelation that God did not leave us as orphans, did not leave us alone, but provides revelation through his written word, through, through miracles, interventions in our life, through prophecy, through prophetic words, dynamic words in a moment, through the scriptures, through our experiences. Uh, I'm thankful for that revelation that God gives. And that uh, it, it makes sense that God would give that kind of revelation because God is imminent in his creation. His, he is omnipresent. He's everywhere. His spirit is pressing down on all of us all the time. And he cares. Uh, God is shepherding us. He's the, he's the type of God that leaves 
99 sheep to find one sheep. He, he is, he's shepherding us. He cares about even those small, seemingly small decisions in our lives, even as he holds all things together. So I love, I love uh, general revelation. I love special revelation. And of course, the Bible is the gold standard by which all things are measured. I hold the Bible up. But I, but I am thankful for, for, for many um, other types of authors, Christian and non-Christian, that have shared general and special revelation through their works as well. Um, all those things being weighed by the word of God as well, of course. And I think something needs to be said about, uh, specifically, you know, Christian books uh, that, people, that people read, such as the books that we read in our small groups here. You know, what place do these books have in our revelation we're receiving from God. I think that's something that we should talk about. Um, right now, I'm encouraging everybody to read this book, The God-Soaked Life. I've made this 12-week study guide um, for that book. You know, what is the benefit of reading a non-biblical book? You know, what should, what should we expect to find in those books? How should we use them? Well, first, we should never hold any book up whether your pastor tells you it's a great book or someone else recommends it to you or not, uh, we should never hold any book up as if it is the scriptures, the word of God, or expect that a book, even if it's written by a great Christian person, is somehow flawless. It always baffles me when someone is a super fan of a certain author, and they pretty much, the way they talk about the author that they like, their, per, their favorite author, you would think the author could do no wrong, that they are almost like scripture to these to people like and they're a super fan of an author but then um and pretty uncritical of that author but then they turn around and seem to be overly critical of another christian author who they do not believe gets it as right as their favorite author you know that that baffles me what that tells me is that somehow someone expects something from a christian book that is almost biblical in proportion something they should never expect from a christian book christian books even if they're great books, like I think this is a great book. Um, they are written by people, and so there's going to be good stuff, and there's going to be stuff that's not so good. And it seems sometimes like people consider some Christian books and authors to be almost biblical in their authority, and, and tear the others apart mercilessly, viciously, shouting, heresy! No, this is a heresy! You know, you... you you know, this book by, by my guy, this is, this is a great book. This is a real Christian that really loves Jesus. But this book, this is a, this is a heretic, and he's, he needs to be not listened to and thrown, thrown apart. And, uh, you know, my, my simple encouragement to us as we engage with Christian books is never expect a Christian book to get it all right, ever. Even your favorite authors, never expect them to get it right. It is possible that some Christian books are 90% correct in truth. Some might be 70%. Some might be 10%. But none of them should be taken in, even if they sound really good and convincing at face value, without critical thinking, without weighing what they say by the word of God and what we know of God. Um, instead, Christian books should be utilized and appreciated for what they are, which is an effort of Christians to shed light on the big T truth of who God is. But really, you know, as the scriptures say, they're sharing that truth through a glass darkly. You know, they're sharing it through a, a carnival mirror. Any, any effort at sharing things about God is going to fall short. It's just going to fall short. Uh, because these are human authors just like us, fallible. Some have more good in them than others. 
but none of them I don't think should be rejected outright um, without giving a little bit more grace. I think instead of trusting an author too much, uh, we, we should engage with Christian books in a mining expedition. When, uh, we mine for gold. When we read a, non, a non-biblical book, um, we should assume that God is probably speaking something through them, and we should look and try to find it, you know, with, with an open mind and an open heart, weighing all things by the scriptures. My friend and fellow pastoral elder, oh, sorry, uh, Jason says that when you read a Christian book, you really have to buy the field. You have to buy the whole field and then see what gold may be buried in it. But you have to buy the field to find it. You can't just shout heresy and throw a book away. If it's a Christian person who wrote the book, they're wanting to share something with you that they found helpful about God, maybe illuminate the scriptures. Um, so you have to buy the field. Read the book with an open mind. Look to scripture and prayer for wisdom and take out the nuggets that can truly change your life. I mean, it's definitely true that not all books are created equal in terms of the truth they contain. I mean, we can all agree with that. But we should not toss out a book just because we disagree with a sentence or two, even if we disagree for good biblical reasons. You know, not everything is completely clear all the time. But instead, I think when we find something that, we, that we're not quite sure of in a Christian book that we're reading, we should note the disagreement we have, just take note of it, and keep reading, because God may have hidden a real gem in that book for you to find through the unique voice of the author, uh, which has the power and potential to change your life. What a tragedy to miss out on that. And in my experience, sometimes the 10% of a book that gets it right was worth all the effort of buying the field because it was the 10% the Holy Spirit used to change my life and perspective. So I agree, you know, buy the field. Some of the land can be developed when you read a book. Some of it is swampland and is not useful for very much. But when you read a book, you have to buy the field. Uh, read with an open mind and heart, pray and listen to God, test with the scriptures, and, and uh, read in community with others who love God and are following God with you, thinking the best of the author. And, and, and just like you give charity and grace to another Christian who you, who you are in conversation with, give grace and charity to the Christian who wrote the book, understanding this is not the Bible. This is someone's take on truth, and there's good stuff here to be found. Um, of course, um, the... The sad part is also that we are very fallible ourselves, and we may be wrong in our conclusions uh, about, about truth, or we, we may not have, have the right ideas ourselves by which we weigh things. So everything needs to be weighed by the scriptures, by reading in community, but never, never with, with that cynical eye for just throwing something out when one sentence hits you the wrong way, right? So I think those are really important to principles for, for how we are to engage with books, with Christian books, with the Bible the different ways God speaks. I think that during this time of us being uh, social distancing each other, I guess, it doesn't seem like a great way to have a church because when you do social distancing, you are socially distant from people. And the church is all about the incarnation of Christ into a unique people. And so it's sort of social distancing kind of keeps us apart and, and, and it's tough. It's going to be tough on us for however long it goes on. But nonetheless, uh, God is speaking. God is speaking. You do not need a pastor like myself or a teacher to, uh, to speak to you for God. You can crack open the word of God, the scriptures, and you can hear from him directly because he's, he's breathed into it. You can look out your window or walk alone, I guess, outside, whatever we're supposed to be doing. And you can look at creation, and you can see some truth about God in that creation. You can crack open a Christian book like The God-Soaked Life, or 
Soul Care, another one that I love. Uh, you can crack open a Christian book and you can buy the field. You can read this book, Mining for Truth, that God may want to give you. And there might be a 10% in that book that is really super beneficial to your life. Even if you're reading the prayer of Jabez, remember that one? The prayer of Jabez. Even, even if you're reading the prayer of Jabez, that can happen. So reading, uh, seeking God, listening for him. I agree with Job's friend. God is always speaking one way this way, one way that way, though people do not perceive it. He is whispering. Um, I remember um, so many times in the Old Testament when God says, be still and know that I am God. I am not in the loudest thing in your atmosphere. I am in a whisper. So listen to my voice. Listen to my word to you. And that's the encouragement that God is giving us during this time. So engage with the word of God, whether it's general revelation, special revelation, the Bible, a Christian book. Um, Love God, love others, wash your hands. Um, Those are my thoughts for today. So I want you to have a great day. Um, This is a strange, even awkward medium, this Facebook Live thing. I thought it'd be fun to try out this thing during this strange and awkward time that we're living through. I just encourage you to stay at home, to, to worship, pray, read the word with your family, encounter the living word, Jesus Christ, with your family. Encounter the living word where two or more are gathered in Christ's name. There he is with them. I mean, what an encouragement to, to have church with your household together. And I encourage you to pray for one another, to, to listen in silence as you pray for people, to what you think the Holy Spirit is saying uh, to encourage your friends and family. Maybe it's a scripture or some other encouragement God gives you. Maybe it's a picture Maybe God wants to use you to speak a word into, into a family member or someone in your household or through an email. Um, I encourage you to pray. See what God says to you. Uh, we will be in contact soon as a church with more details for what moving forward looks like in the coming weeks. Until then, stay posted on our Facebook. Uh, God bless you all as you seek to hear God's word for you this morning. God bless.